Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen and amen. I want to start off by one really thanking God for today because today makes a year. It's been an entire year since this has been going on. It started off, you know, with just us gathering on Zoom to it branching into YouTube and into podcast and both. And, you know, throughout this year, God has not only grown me, but all of us who have been participating to, you know, just so many different aspects of things that we may have not known to things that we may have realized, but weren't courageous enough to deal with or handle or brave enough to really just put it out there so God can work with it. This year has been it's it's been a year not to sound cliche, but it's it's been wonderful. It's been humbling. It's been painful at times because of all that's been going on. But through it all, God is still God. God is still in control. The God math that we've come to adopt in this Bible study, thanks to my Belva, it just his favor doesn't begin to make sense at times because we know we don't deserve it. But that's what love is all about. It's about giving, not because something is deserved, but because real love, its main priority is to make sure that whomever the intended recipient is, is always doing well, is has the means necessary to help them overcome whatever it is they're facing and I just I thank God for it all so for this lesson it's it's quite a peculiar one um it is a yearly reflection like I I mentioned earlier in the day but in doing so instead of trying to encapsulate the scriptures the way that we do there's one particular passage that we'll focus on And as I read it, I could see the culmination of literally all the Bible studies just meet up at this one particular point, because we know that the the center of the Bible is Jesus and everything points to him from old to new. So with that being said, I want to reference two things real quick, and then I'm going to read the scripture and we'll, we'll break it down. The first thing I want to reference is that the very first Bible study that we had together as as a family in this particular branch of ministry was called Staying Firm. And the whole purpose of that was that regardless of what life throws at you, what goes on, who may have hurt you, who you may have hurt, what you're dealing with, what you're getting past, regardless of of what your current plate looks like, it's to always literally stay firm, stay anchored to Christ, because he's the one that got you to where you are today. He's the one that's going to get you to where you're going tomorrow, God willing. And he's the, the one that literally knows the future that is ahead of you. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but God does. And the whole purpose is to just stay with him. Because like 
Peter spoke up for the rest of the the apostles. We don't well the disciples. We don't know, you know, what tomorrow brings and more so, you know, we gave up everything to be with you, master. So if if you aren't it, then there's nothing else. But you know how Jesus works. He reaffirmed them, letting them know that nothing for him is in vain. So that was our very first lesson. And then our most recent lesson was Time's Truth, which was a, a very wonderful message. And its whole purpose was, again, breaking down this mold that the world builds so that the enemy can keep us tricked and trapped and just, you know, full of full of holes, I'll say, because whenever we're splintered, whenever we're taken apart, then it, it makes it real tough to, to get the job done. But see, with God and I love him so much because of it, when we when we take a look at exactly what he's doing in our lives and that biggest thing is to help us realize that no matter what the enemy is trying to do it really can't prosper mainly because everything that happens in this life the lord has to allow it secondly because we know as he promised us in his word that no weapon formed against us not us adjacent to him but us his children us his descendants anything that tries to happen to us it it can't prosper if the enemy is forming it the only thing that is allowed to take place are situations to where we can grow and the whole truth of time is that no matter what point in your life you are in god is there he is always there and he wants you if you don't know him to get to know him and if you know him, he wants that relationship, not this culmination of laws that we make up, but the relationship like we have with one another. He wants the relationship to grow so that we can see that he really is the God of everything, not just my doctor when I'm down and out, but that he's also my lawyer. If I'm in trouble, he pays my bail literally all day, every day, because the books are covered. We've talked about that. His his death paid for it all, period. And it, it's just so much. But to stress the point of, of this celebration that we're able to really celebrate because God is so amazing, the particular passage that I want to discuss with you guys tonight comes from Mark chapter 10, and it's uh, in verses 17 through 27. And it's where the, the rich young ruler or the young rich man or as uh, one of the, the translations of the Bible says, uh, one of the religious teachers, I believe. And he comes and he, he comes to Jesus and he asks him, you know, what do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? What, what do I have to do? And it's that question right there that is the whole purpose of this this celebration so starting in verse 17 the bible says as jesus was starting out on his way to jerusalem a man came running up to him knelt down and asked good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good jesus asked only god is truly good 
But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. So we're met with this question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? What can I do? Now, that's in Mark. And Matthew, uh, he asked Jesus, what good deed do I need to do? And then in Luke, he says, what should I do? So in Luke, we see that he's he looks like he's asking for advice. And Matthew, he's asking, what's the one thing I'm missing that I need to do so I can get eternal life? And then in Mark, we see he's asking him, you know, what should I be doing? What what is it that I'm missing here? And throughout all the translations, throughout the, the three versions of the gospel that we have, the the main thing stays the same. He's asking God, like so many of us have it confused before we get to know the truth. What is it on my part that I need to do so that I can get there? And that's where we mess up. So many people think, and it, it really saddens me at times, that we can work toward salvation we can work toward eternal life we can do x amount of good and mess up a little bit here and there and get to heaven but like a like a family friend of of ours said uh pastor adolf he said that everybody wants to go to god's heaven but nobody wants to get there his way well here's our problem everybody wants to go to heaven if they believe in it but the problem is no one wants to get there God's way. And that's the issue because the only way to God's heaven is his way. And his way is through him, through Jesus, through the path himself, through the door, through the gate. And we see as we go down, Jesus is first and foremost trying to make him understand the gravity of his words. Okay, you're acknowledging that I'm good, but do you understand that in and saying that I'm good, that you were admitting that I am God. First and foremost, let's under let's have an understanding. Secondly, Jesus is like, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Keep the commandments. Keep them. If you can do it, you got it. But again, we know that none of us 
by human standards can keep the commandments. If so, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come because we would have been able to be saved through the law. But the law wasn't there to save us. It was there to show us how flawed we are, how much we need saving and how much we really need God. Not just the cliche, but we really need him. We need a relationship. We need him working and operating in us, through us and for us so that we can actually get it done. And then, of course, human arrogance sits in. Well, I've done this all. So, you know, what's left? And my favorite part, it says that Jesus felt genuine love. He felt the, the true love that a parent has to a child or that, as Jesus himself said in a different passage of the scripture, that he wanted to be the, the mother hen that broods over the chicks. Well, that love is there still. It's always there. And he's saying, well, I tell you what, sell all your possessions, get rid of it. And once you do, follow me. Well, that made him upset and sad. And Jesus goes on to, you know, say what he said, that it's impossible for the rich to enter heaven. And then the disciples are astounded. Hey, well, who can get there? And Jesus says, with God, with humans, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. So that takes us back to all the wonderful lessons that we've seen throughout this year, from staying firm to, you know, just the interlaced tolerance that we talked about. That was a really spectacular lesson that we had or abiding in wisdom, letting God operate in you the way it's supposed to be. When we've talked about staying in our lane, letting God be God and us be the disciple, let us be the child, make that change where, where we literally talk about taking the next step to getting past all the filth that we've, you know, just been indoctrinated with throughout life or letting things go, introspective healing, where we talked about taking a look on the inside, not according to what Dr. Phil has to say, not according to what Dr. Oz is talking about, not according to Confucius or Plato or any philosopher or, or some teachings of someone who's long gone, but about taking the living word, the living word, not a book, but the living word himself, looking in the mirror, and understanding where we stand with him and how we can get to the next level through him, not ever by us, because we don't have any strength, any resources of our own, but all things come from God. And so we've talked about so many wonderful lessons. One of my favorites being, is it possible? And that was a cliffhanger question because it is what possible? Is is anything possible? Is it possible to be from an impoverished neighborhood and then make something out of your life? Yes, because of who God is. Is it possible to be born with a birth defect or a mental illness or, you know, a disability or anything and still be wonderful in life? The answer is yes, because of who God is, not because of who we are but because of who he is and what he wants to do in our lives because of the specific plan he has orchestrated for each and every one of us. So we take it back. And now, of course, we change it out and we make it fit to us, just like how we're supposed to do with the word, to make it applicable in our everyday lives. We go to God 
before we really know who he is. We may have heard the gospel and now we're interested. What do I have to do to get it? Well, you can't do anything. But what you can do is invite God into your life to take control of the reins, because I promise you there's nobody up there. It's just like a carriage with a bunch of spooked horses that are running any and everywhere. And that gets you into trouble. But when God takes the reins of your life, there is a set course and a set path. And though sometimes the road may seem bumpy, God will never lead you into any situation or anywhere, first and foremost, without him by your side, because he will never leave you alone once you two have a relationship with one another. And secondly, he's already carved out the path. He knows exactly which bumps in the road that you need to hit, not to to take you off course, but so that your carriage can have a little character so that when it's time to get repairs, it can be stronger. It's just like the martial artist who constantly make micro fractures in their hands or their forearms or their legs or their feet or wherever part of their body that they're hitting their their training post with. And doing so, the bone cracks. It breaks a little. But from the micro cracks that occur, it can heal and become stronger. God's goal is not to destroy you. It's to save you. And throughout the sanctification process where you are continuously having the the seeds of iniquity uprooted out of your heart, it's to make it so to where you can be stronger You can be braver. You can be more courageous. You can be more faithful. You can be happier, more peaceful. You can be more joyful. You can have all the characteristics that the fruit of the spirit describes to us, but in abundance. So now we ask the question, well, what can I do? Can't do anything, but you can let God in and you can admit the truth that you've been wrong but it's okay because he doesn't want to hold it against you he just wants to love you and bless you and uplift you and spread the word and so we see and one of my favorite parts right here God is telling us okay well if you want to get right minus the law because now we're in the law of love If you want to have eternal life, love me, love me with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Do that in your good because I've covered the rest. All right. Well, that sounds easy enough. And I feel like I'm doing that. Or if you're coming in with the world's theology of how to get right with God, I've, I've done these things. So now what do I do? Well, when I was reading in a devotional, It said not everyone is going to be told to sell everything. But what God is saying right here is I need you to let go of the thing that's tethering you here. If you don't know what a tether is, a tether's sole purpose is designed to keep whatever it's holding permanently. Its purpose is to make sure that it can't go anywhere. Well, that's very dangerous if you're tethered to the world with money. A lot of people who are either born into money or accumulate a lot of it, have the issue of letting it go once they have it because that becomes their safety net. Well, the thing about living in Christ is that our safety net is Jesus. But what we've done as bold Christians is that we've thrown caution to the wind. 
I don't care what happens as long as God got me, I'm good. And that's the lifestyle that all of us should adopt. And that if we're there, we can always go further. It's not that I really necessarily like this job, but I'm staying because if I don't, then where's the money going to come from? Well, God had you before you got to the job. He'll have you after you leave the job. Well, these have been my friends for 20 plus years. I don't want to be lonely. You're never alone when you have the Lord and bad company is bad company. You don't want their whatever they're dealing with to come and pollute your tree and now you're rotten to the core too instead let them go and trust and believe that God will put good seeds in your life that instead of tree leaves that blow at the wind he'll put roots that will be there for you to lean on the whole purpose of it is is that God wants us to get rid of whatever is anchoring us here because it's worthless and pointless and at some point it's going to decay and break the dollar has no value unless we sign value to it and that fluctuates up and down and the same way the value of money fluctuates is the same way this life is at some point it just it means nothing but with God who is the life and our life and the one who will be revealed to this entire world at the right time it's in him that that's where he wants us to be anchored down to as the 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 old song go well as it goes it says that my soul is anchored in the lord and it's beautiful because that means that i have now allowed god to remove the thing that was tethering me to this dying world to this this terminal illness we call humanity and instead have allowed us to be rooted and grounded and sold into the eternal one not this terminal thing that has an end date but into the one who has no beginning and has no end to the one who is the first and the last the beginning and the end the alpha and the omega when we are anchored to the lord when we are tethered to god well then what happens I don't care if the job is gone. I don't care if there's no money in the bank account. I don't care if people are talking behind me, you know, about me behind my back. I don't care if my so-called friends have gone in the wind. I don't care if it's just me. We care about our feelings, but in the in the true genuineness of concern, it doesn't matter because we know that the same God who had me yesterday will be the same God that will keep me today and is going to be the same God to see me through tomorrow if he wills that I see another day. So the whole purpose of the reflection is to look back at everything God has done in your life, everything that's happening right now, and to have the faith and the hope because without it, we can't please God. Without faith, there is no pleasing him. But with the faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not yet seen. When we have the faith to keep pushing forward, when we have the faith to just keep trusting God, when he says, wait a little bit longer, when he may say no to one thing and yes to another, because he's a good parent and he knows exactly what we need. And he's also very kind and he gives gifts, wonderful gifts when we ask, sometimes when we don't. But let's just keep the faith. 
let's keep holding on. I know it, it's a cliche in the church and, you know, some cliches are meaningless, but in this sense, keep holding on. By holding on, we got to a year in the ministry. By holding on, so many people who have been touched by the people connected to this have gotten breakthroughs, have seen growth, have gotten new jobs, have just so many wonderful things have happened in the midst of all the bad. And that's nobody but God. And even in the bad, that's cool, too, because as James 1 says, count it all joy, because in the midst of that, we have a chance for our faith to grow. And the Bible teaches us that when we go through trials and tribulations, it is not to take us out, but so that our faith can be purified and and just tempered in the flame so that when we come out on the other side, it will be more valuable than the most pure of purified golds. All the diamonds, the rubies, the pearls, it doesn't matter what it is, because our faith is what makes us the earthen treasure that God takes so much delight in. Because when he looks at us and he sees the faith, he sees the mark of his son. And he also sees that we've allowed him to take room in our hearts, that we opened up the door where Jesus was knocking in Revelation 3.20, I believe. And that when we let him come in, that he didn't just bombard the house, but he came in as a guest. He brought wine. He brought a whole meal and a beautiful picnic basket. And he sat down and he talked to us. And then you know what happened after that? We were so amazed by the initial conversation that we became the best of friends. And then we got invited to join into his family, to not be slaves to sin anymore, but to to be his friend, to be his child to be an heir to the throne. I mean, God literally gives it, gives everything to us. He doesn't spare anything because he doesn't have to. It's all his. And because he loves us so much, his peculiar people, as the Bible says, his royal priesthood, his remnant, well, then we should look back and we should thank him for everything because the year isn't just from one end from January to December, but it's where wherever you start your journey and then look back on to a year is wherever God made that mark in your life. Like when we talked about an encounter with Emmanuel, where Emmanuel literally means God is with us. And so when we encounter the one who wants to be with us, the one who wants to take care of us, the one who wants to bless us and pull us out of the gutter and place our feet on the solid ground instead of quicksand, the one who wants to clean us up and make sure that we're fed, watered, well-learned, and everything else. When we meet him, that's when it starts. That's when life begins. That's where living starts to occur, not existing with things, but where actual living begins. And so when I look back at my own life, to when I was in high school and I started taking my relationship with God very seriously for me because of all the things I was going through. And then as I saw the growth and it was no longer just God, I need you. So I'm gonna come to you. But Lord, I'm thanking you for this high too, because just like Paul said, I've learned how to 
to to live, whether I'm a bound or a based, whether I'm up or down, whether I have everything or nothing, whether I'm hungry or fed. It doesn't matter. But the secret to life all resides in Christ Jesus because he is life. He's the way he's the truth in this world. And when you have a relationship with him, you can look back and you can say, I can't thank you enough how far you've brought me. Not how far I've come, but how far you've brought me because I could have never gotten here without you. Thanks to the the depression that I may have been dealing with or the anger that I may have suffered with from a child or from the confusion that you didn't bring about on me, but the confusion that I, I had just been in. Only God can bring us to where we are going to go because he's the only one who knows the game plan. Satan will lie day and night through people telling you to live your best life. But how do you live it if you don't know what to do? And how do you chase a bag? There are no rules to chase in the bag. Just go get yours. Well, that could mean any number of things. And that's why we see crime and murder and all these other terrible things. But with God, when we look back, when we acknowledge that he is the only true good one, just like the, the, the rich young man may have failed to realize he was getting at. But when we acknowledge him as the one true good, because let's face it, our perception of good and bad is it, it's hogwash. It means nothing. It changes day and night. But with God, who is the good one? With God, who is the holy one? And I'm not talking about Buddha, Vishnu, the dragon, Allah, whatever y'all want to discuss i'm talking about the one true wise god whose name is jesus the name above every other name the only name by which men should be saved when you get to know him not the the rules and regulations that these religions want to push on to you but the relationship from god to creation from father to child from friend to friend when you get to know him for yourself, when you start allowing him to really work in your life, because he's not going to do a single thing in terms of your your growth unless you allow him to. You can't get past something unless you give it to God and you can't give it to him unless you know him and you get to know him by trying him out, spending time with him. Then the trust builds and then you can look back and say, I thank you, because back then my my faith may have been yay big, but now it's yay big. And that's a big growth. And then from there, it just keeps expanding and expanding. And we get to the point to where we don't look to the friend first, but we look to God first. And he may lead us to the friend or to whoever else, but we're no longer caught up in the world or the people or the things or the money or whatever but we're always focused on God we may deter a little bit because we're, we're people we're gonna mess up but the sole purpose is and the sole purpose of this reflection in this ministry is to change the way we perceive things to look at stuff differently to understand that there is no one way to to attack something but that if we would look at it from all angles, we would have a better understanding and then we can find the way that works for us best. Well, it's the same way with God. We come to him, we get to know him and then he shows us the angles. If you're depressed, some people work through it by being proactive, but that doesn't work for everybody. 
Some people need to talk it out. Some people need to to go do something or, you know, it, it's always different per basis. And that's with everything. But that's why the Lord is so amazing, because he has the answer because he is the answer. And when he shows you the particular way to get out of whatever it is you're dealing with, you can share it with another so that they, too, can see, OK, well, if God did it for them, then he can certainly do it for me. Because I had a similar experience and I never heard anyone dealing with it that way. So clearly God must be it. And not the the God that is politically correct to talk about, but Jesus. So with that being said, I thank him truly for this year. I thank him that in the midst of it all and at the bottom of the barrel, getting out the barrel, in the sea, under the sea, no matter what has happened, that he holds true to his word. He's never left me, never forsaken me, answered all my prayers, maybe not in the way I would have wanted them answered, but he answered them in the way that they needed to be answered. And I thank him for the for the faith in the relationship that has gotten me here, that has gotten so many of us to where we are today, because without God, I couldn't imagine this life. I, I really couldn't. But I thank Jesus so much that not only does he want to be a part of it, but he wants to show us how to truly live it, because outside of him, it's only death. But regardless of it all, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer saying thank you, Lord. Words can't begin to describe the the feelings that you give us, Father the feelings of hope, of joy, of peace, of security, of sanctity, of just, God, I, I, I really don't have the words. But what I can say, Lord, is that I thank you so much for being able to do what we can't, and that's to discern the heart, God. I thank you so much for looking at my heart and not always my words, because sometimes I may say something and mean something different. I thank you, God, that in your infinite wisdom, your knowledge and your love, Lord, that even when I do wrong, that you still love me, that no matter how much we mess up, no matter how much wrong we may do, even if it's unintentionally, you still give us another chance. And Lord, I thank you above all for your darling son, Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, who died once and for all for every single person, whoever was, who is and who will be. Because if not for him, Lord, then honestly, <laughs> I mean, there would be no point. But I thank you for giving us a point who is the way, the truth, the life. He's the door, the good shepherd. He's the resurrection and the life. He is everything. He is, as, as the elders say, our all in all, Lord. And I thank you for that. So, Father, as we reflect on all the wonderful lessons that we've learned throughout this past year, Lord, with you, as we reflect on all the growth that we had, as we reflect on all the things that we still need to work on, I thank you that through every single bit of it, that you are there in the midst of it all, that we're never alone, that we're always taken care of and provided for. And that most of all, that your love 
will never be taken away from us. So, Lord, again, we just say thank you. We love you. And we give your name all the praise, all the honor and all the glory, which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we bless your holy name and thank you for. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing and be blessed.